Hey, thank you for tuning in. It's Erica Sakoshio with Stella Business Concepts. We are a business coaching and consulting team providing business owners with the tools, advice, and strategy they need to grow and expand their business. Thank you for tuning in to Practical Biz Podcast. Hello, this is Erica Sakoshio with Practical Biz Podcast. And today's topic, we are going to talk about why HR is so important to maintain happy customers and happy employees. Today, we are joined with uh, Natalie Desperio. Delmage. Delmage, sorry. Now, <laughs> Natalie Delmage from Insperity, um, and I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself, how she uh, got into the field of HR, and a little bit about Insperity. So happy to be here today, Erica. Thank you for having me. I work for a company called Insperity, and our mission is to help businesses succeed so communities prosper. And we do that with strategic HR, HR, of course, being human resources. We believe that your people are the thing that make a difference to the business, whether it succeeds, thrives, or fails. And we want your business to succeed. So we support business owners and leaders, everything employee-related. And that means a variety of things for different businesses that I'm sure we'll talk about today. We will. Thank you. And I am so happy to have you because uh, those of you who know me, um, I love people. People, literally, that's my business uh, and trust. So um, I felt it was really important. And one of the things that I I feel like as a business owner, um, no matter how big or small, there's just so many pieces that we have to juggle. So typically when you think HR, we're thinking of handbooks, you know, W4s, W2s, I9s, all, all the letters and numbers in the alphabet, we're, we're thinking about those and how does that, um, you know, relate to our business, making sure that we stay in compliance. Um, so a lot of time we spend focused on those, those types of things and the people part sometimes gets left out. And uh, right now, obviously, it's a big hot topic that many business owners are struggling with finding employees or keeping employees, right? Um, And so the theory is, as you know, the headlines is nobody wants to work, which I don't believe is true at all. Um, I think that people want to find meaningful work. I think people want to be happy. I think there certainly has been a shift since 2019 as to our priorities and maybe not always um, based solely on money and benefits, but also we spend so much time at a business, most of the time more than we do with our families. Um, so that has to look like something that's also meaningful for you as an employee and meaningful for your community. So um, I think we, you know, we could talk a little bit about that today. Um, So can you tell us, because you talk to business owners every day, tell us why you think having a strong HR department for a business um, is is critical. What are some of the things that you really want to highlight and you think that people should know? Sure. So I like to say that the minute you have a single employee, you're in two businesses. You're in the business of whatever it is that you do that you bring to the world, and you're in the business of being an employer. You essentially have to run two sides of 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 your day. And as you mentioned, there's the gobbledygook, the ABCs of HR, (laughs) FMLA. For sure. (laughs) For all the things. Um, And so business owners are stretched very, very thin. You mentioned many hats. They're wearing all the hats, right? And it could be someone who is typically your key leadership. 
that is managing the HR function, the day-to-day, all those bits and pieces that are so complicated, all the moving parts of the ABCs of HR. But you're also managing the, the human side, which is the interactions with the employees, establishing your culture, establishing what it is that you expect and, and want, and understanding their side of things as well, right? It's a relationship that you have. And so I think, and in Sparity, I can't speak for insperity, but insperity thinks that your culture is essential. You either have a culture by design or by default. That's something that our CEO, Paul Sarvati, says. And he wrote a book called Take Care of Your People. And that's really, um, you know, the pillars of what it is that can turbocharge your business to take you from where you are now to where you want to be in the future. And what you want to do is make sure you've got the right people on the bus. You want to make sure they're in the right seats, and you want to make sure that you're supporting them as they grow and thrive as humans in your business. I want to stop you because what you just said there is super powerful, and I just don't Mm -hmm. want that to get kind of glossed over. So putting the right people in the right seats. So I think that that is probably a struggle that many uh, small business owners have because guess who's in all the seats, guys? You, most of the time, right? So... I think that um, that's where you can really help your company culture shine by providing those growth opportunities, right? You don't have to have everything on your plate. Who do you have in your in your place now that they have some talents that you can build off of um, and, and, and then grow them? And then that also helps grow your company and it helps with that longevity of that employee because they feel like they're part of, of the game, right? Because the the days of everybody's going to work really hard to make the boss a millionaire are long gone, guys, right? Nobody's nobody's signing up for that anymore. So CEOs, get on board, right? Um, they want to certainly make money so they can live, um, be comfortable with their families. But I, I, I do think, like, people are really thriving uh, when they're getting new things and they feel like they're contributing. And so I think that that is, you know, important. And I, I, I just want to make sure everybody gets that, that it is something that um, you can do that really doesn't cost you much more than your your time and investment in that employee. But that's really what keeps your business growing is the people there. You know? I agree. Well, and you did a podcast recently when you were talking about how an existing customer could be your next best customer. Right. And I kept thinking how that's so true of employees. Right. Who do you have that is in a position that with just a little bit of training, with a little bit of encouragement could become the next best thing on your team? So I'll give you an example that happened to me. I was home sick with COVID, which I had COVID literally four times in in three years. Every strand but one. I got everyone except for Oracrom that everybody else got, right? But I think it was only because I was recovering from Delta. But um, I had an employee and I had been home and I was really homesick for like six weeks. Like my stuff was getting behind because like most small business owners, I wore a lot of hats. And I was so overwhelmed. I had like four or five bank racks that needed to be done. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, I'll come over and help you. And I'm like, do you know QuickBooks? And she said, no. But I said, you know what? Literally at this point, it was like I was so deep in paperwork. I was like, you know what? Come on over. So she came over to my house. Um, I showed her how to do a bank rack. This girl did a bank rack in 45 minutes. It would take me like three hours. 45 minutes. She was younger. She was faster. She could see better. Um, (laughs) But um, never did QuickBooks a day in her life. And I went back and I checked and I was like, 
it was right. Uh, so yeah, so that was just something that just happened. And so you never know unless you give somebody that opportunity. I would have never known that somebody who never had any of that training could go in and just so quickly pick it up. So, so often gotta it's give asking that the right question, right? You had the opportunity. She stepped up and offered. But yeah. when, where might there be an opportunity to ask someone if they're open to it, right? Whether it's a new skill like QuickBooks or backing you up somewhere else in the business. You yeah. Know? I know one of the things that a lot of the uh, teachers that have been with me for a long time, they often will say, what can I help you with? Is there something I can help you with outside of the classroom? Is there any, you know, do you want me to file? Do you want me to learn to do tours? Like, so there's so many, there are so many pieces I know for, for my industry and I'm sure for everyone else as well. Even if it's something as simple as training everybody in your staff to answer the phone right? And answer it correctly and know what to do and say. And all of those pieces really makes a difference. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but so, so many times it's like almost like a, a, a position of power, if you will, you got to let go of some of that power. Sometimes it's, you know, no, only, only I can answer the phone that way. Only I can close that deal. Right. So, um, you know, be, be growing your people and, and being okay with letting some things go and let, and letting them you know, kind of take the lead. They're not going to be you, but uh, they might be better, honestly. Because <laughs> I found out she was better at, at, at those bank recs than me. But, you know, just giving people those opportunities. And if they're not the right fit, like you said, then then you make some business decisions and you find something else that maybe they're better at and find somebody to, to help, um, you know, fill that seat on the bus, if you will. Um, so what are you finding at your company now? What are you finding is different or has changed in the last three years as far as what business owners are coming to you for in terms of services? Well, the thing that COVID really showed business owners is that they don't have to do it alone and they probably need more support than they have in place. So we found just with, for example, PPP loans, Mm -hmm. right? The reporting that you needed, Mm -hmm. the paperwork that needed filing, the, um, ability to get attention to get that funding, it was a big distraction and it was a a big undertaking for a lot of people, right? So Insperity clients were fortunate that we have a lot of knowledge and deep understanding of the HR history and what laws mean. And we've got some pull, you know, with our buying power to, you know, we were really able to shape some of that legislation um, and get access for our clients to make sure they had what they needed to make sure we were helping them through that process. And that's just, you know, one example. But COVID, there were so many questions. How do I furlough my people? How do I keep benefits? What are, how can I help them get access to the unemployment that they need? Or, you know, can I allow people to work from home? And how do I put that infrastructure in place so that our data is secure? And there were just so many moving pieces about the pandemic that I think... (laughs) You don't say. Yeah. So, and I think I agree with that um, 100%. And one of the things, uh, this is why being caught up on all of your paperwork and having everything in place really matters. So we actually got PPP twice. I was one of the first businesses in Rhode Island to get it. And so when I heard people saying they were really struggling, I'm like, but if you had all your stuff together... You would have, you would have been, it wasn't that the backup was there. The backup was, you didn't have all your paperwork and your ducks in a row. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so you're right. So that was kind of like, cause it's one of those things that ends up on the back burner because you're putting out daily fires and you're, you know, you're not staffed enough. And so you're at the front counter and all of those things. So, um, like you said, having that back end support, um, really is, is, is critical for many small businesses, especially if you, I would say small businesses more than anyone, um, because you'd only have so many positions, right? Big companies, they have a department for that. They, there's 12 people in that, in that payroll, you know, department. Department. Over here, it's one girl who, you know, makes a phone call to the payroll. And Susie worked 40 hours today, right? So, um, you know, she's not a, a legal specialist, you know, so there was a lot of minutia that uh, we had to go through on that end. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with having that support and being ready because we never know when emergency is going to happen, um, how quick how quick those decisions um, that you have to make and have the support pieces in place. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you talked about growth. Tell me a little bit about the training programs that you offer in Insperity. Well, training is something that I'm really proud that we offer our clients. And it can really be a differentiator in your ability to retain the people that you have in-house already. Um, it can also help attract new folks. But for me, it's more about the retention, right? Because the cost to a business of losing an employee, particularly a good employee, mm -hmm. is astronomical, yep. right? So if you can keep them where they are, assuming that you want them to stay with you, but if you can keep them, it's just so great for everyone. Um, so our training program can be a lot of different things, and it's it's something that I think really differ differentiates our offering compared to others. Um, and it can it can be as simple as I have someone who's going to become a manager. I want some standardized knowledge across the board for my managers, and I'm going to put a curriculum in place that might be an existing curriculum within our system. Um, we partner with Skillsoft, so we have a. a a wide array of topics and existing curriculum that can be directed by the employer or self-paced for the employee. So you can put in some required uh, items, but you can also create a curriculum that might say, okay, she's your, um, your employee who's doing QuickBooks for you now. Mm -hmm. Maybe that becomes part of her role moving forward. There's some training in place specific to that kind of thing, that specific to a piece of software or a particular kind of skill, uh, like the accounting skills. Mm -hmm. Um, you can put in custom um, content that you want to have directed by one of our training specialists where they will run the workshop for your people, right? Because training shouldn't be a one-off yeah, installation, no. right? Well, people don't, people don't grow that way either. They do mm -hmm. have to build, right? So if you, if you even think about when you go to college, right, you start at, you know, 100 and 200 level classes, and then they go to 300 and 400. And as you work to your master's, you know, you're at five and 600 level classes. So it's the same thing for any, any training. It does, there's a foundation and you build up. So um, I think that that is um, something that you have to think about. And I think a lot of people also leave, um, new people leave because of the onboarding process or lack of, mm -hmm. right? Right? If you don't feel prepared, right, they throw you in. And, and, and we're all guilty of that. Um, industries across the board because, again, you're short-staffed, so you're just trying to show people how to hurry up and quickly get adjusted to their role. Um, but that leads to a lot of frustration, a lot of mistakes um, for both for both the owner and the employee. So You want to set them up from, for success from day one, Yeah, right? We did a coffee corner um, episode a couple of weeks ago on onboarding, and it's, it's a process that you know, starts when they get hired, it starts when they, you know, it starts again a little bit when they come on board into your facility and it should keep going, you know, for yeah. a, a good period of time. Uh, yeah. I would say probably 
I would say three to six months for mm-hmm. sure. That yeah. would be minimal. It's not a two week thing. I think a lot of people don't have a process. They haven't had the bandwidth perhaps mm-hmm. to pause and say, here's what we're doing every time someone comes in the door. Yeah. There's you have to verify their I nine, you have to get them up and running with payroll, you know, you're setting up their direct deposit, all those you know, minutia details, mm-hmm. but maybe you haven't thought about, okay, how do they answer the phone? How do they greet someone who comes into my facility? What programs do they need to know that they're going to be accessing? Yeah. You know, and, and if I would encourage everyone watching, if you don't have an onboarding process in place, get one, get one think about it. The next hire you make, take notes, think yeah. about who on your team might have to take time away from their regular day to train that person yeah. and make sure that you're supporting everyone who's touching the onboarding process. Yeah. And the the one thing I will say too is remember everybody has different learning styles. So please don't pop somebody in front of a video for eight hours and be like, yep, you're all set now. I think it needs to be a combination of reading, doing, in-person video. It's a combination of things because I'll tell you right now, if I had to watch an eight-hour video and, and, and this did happen to me once. So I went to get a side job at Christmas time at Pier One Imports. I'm sorry, guys, but this is true. Um, they put me in the back of a warehouse room, plopped me in front of a video where I watched the history of Pier One Imports, and then I came back out, and I'm like, all right, I'm done watching the video. They all just go to the next video. They literally left me in a room for four hours watching a video, and then said, all right, you're all set. You clock out, and you know, we'll put you on the schedule, the next whatever. And I was like, I didn't go back. Now, now, not for nothing, I am an amazing salesperson. And that was a loss for them. And I, again, I don't mean to sound fresh, but like literally nobody could have cared less about anything. Um, I, you know, so you don't want that experience to happen at your company. So make sure that you have that, a good onboarding process because that's why people are leaving. If you're not retaining employees, People who are qualified that you're that you know have applied for the job, you have deemed that they are qualified, you have hired them. If they're leaving after week three, four, five, you gotta look inward. It's not them. It's you. <laughs> so, right, we have to be honest. It, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something that's a breakdown in your business. Well, I think the onboarding process is the first impression. And that person immediately has a sense of whether or not they're gonna be supported. Yeah. And what kind of culture, right? You say we have this culture, but then you come in and everybody's at the water cooler, like that, right? So like you said, you have a culture, whether it's one you cultivate or one that happens by default. Um, I 100% agree with that statement, right? Because if you don't address those problems, the good employees aren't going to stay around that that nonsense. So, um, so think about that. What about, I know you guys talk a little bit um, in one of your podcasts, I was listening to you, talk about vendors, working with vendors. Um, Maybe it was like having good policies and maybe it was like talking about like checking in with vendors or um, you're talking a little bit about maybe revisiting relationships with vendors. Yeah. Uh, So one thing that you know, I think is very important is making sure that the relationships you have in place are still serving your business, right? Um, The status quo is our biggest competitor because it is easier to continue as you've been going than it is to make a change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about how many um, vendors are servicing from an HR perspective. You have your payroll provider, you have potentially someone who's a contracted um, HR person to do special projects like review your handbook that you mentioned earlier. Uh, You have 
whoever's providing your benefits, if that's something that's part of your total compensation package. You have, you know, whoever's covering the liability of the business. You have a number of, of different pieces that as the owner you have to manage um, in addition to whatever it is that they're providing for you, right? Yeah. And so I think it's it's valuable to take a step back periodically and say, is this still the right the right relationship, yeah. right? In Sparity, we see ourselves not as a vendor, but as a strategic partner. Mm-hmm. We want to support the business for the long term and stand shoulder to shoulder with our clients to help them with whatever growth looks like for them, yeah. whatever success looks like for them. Um, and so, you know, I would I would challenge you to to ask, are these people vendors or are they partners? Are they helping my business or are they just delivering whatever service they've mm-hmm. promised. Yeah. So one of the episodes, I think it was maybe a third, uh, third episode I had with my current insurance agent. And we talked about literally just that. Um, we happened to be in the 10,000 small business program together. And he's like, oh, let me just quote out your business. And I said, no, I've, I've used my guy for years and years. You're not going to do better. He's like, let me just quote it just for the fun of it. Let me quote it out. He quoted out. Not only was he less, and it was apples to apples, right? Because sometimes you get what you pay for. Not only was he less, but the amount of times that he contacted me and was like, I felt like he was my partner. So when I told my other company I was leaving, then all of a sudden they could do better. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If you could have done better, why didn't you do better? And I've been your client for 10 years. I've never even got an email, a, a, a note, a, like a phone call. I've never heard from you. Ever. So I, I made the move, but it, it wasn't money that made me move. It was the service. It was that connection. It was, I felt like I had somebody who was a partner of my business, not just providing me a service. Yes. So I think Because that, everyone loves loyalty. Yeah. But you have to think about the loyalty to your... I'm Italian, girl. We're we all about the loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I stayed so long. But then I was like, wow, you know, looking back at it, I was like, geez, like not even an email, not even a Merry Christmas, not like But you know, you didn't know any better either, right? Because this new person showed you a level of service that was above and beyond what you knew to expect. Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. Um, Okay. So we talked a little bit about home life balance. um, And I think it's important. We had talked a little bit about this before we came on uh, camera, but I think one of the things I want people to take away from is I think you have to really understand where that employee is coming from and where they are in their life stage um, when you're putting together benefits and what makes sense for that employee, right? So you may have an employee who uh, has young children and they may be looking for childcare assistance, deductions, uh, you know, something about work-life balance, being able to, you know, go to your, your child's soccer game or be able to make, you know, appointments uh, at the doctor's at a time that makes sense, um, where somebody who might be close to retirement may be looking for 401ks, investments, um, retirement options, all, all, of those, all those types of things. So I think when you're putting together your benefit package, and even if you're a small business, there are benefits you can put that don't cost a lot, um, but I think you need to think think that through. Um, and maybe sometimes the benefits are a la carte because if you offer half off childcare, but I'm 52 years old, I could care less about that benefit, right? If I'm you know have four kids and I'm 32, I care a lot about that benefit. So I think I think that maybe making your benefits 
and your HR customizable or something that um, offers a variety so that, especially if your workforce is, is diverse, mine is diverse. So if you're looking for diversity, um, I think that that's an important uh, factor. Could you tell me how um, maybe you guys address that at, at, at your company? I can. I think what you're saying is spot on. You need to offer a range of, of options and um, and. And, and different benefits to your employees that's going to hit them where they are today. Uh, one thing that I've been reading a lot about um, that I think is very interesting is the older population that really does want to work. Maybe they retired and they've mm-hmm. decided, actually, this isn't for me. Yeah. You know, And I, I think a lot of people, when they're designing benefits, they, they're thinking about maybe the young person who's coming in to work for them, mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're maybe zeroed in on, on that demographic a little bit too much. Um, I mean, that's a gross generalization, but I, th- I think if you, if you assume that you could have employees mm-hmm. from all walks of life and all phases, yeah. um, addressing a variety of uh, life stages is very, very important. And so that's where, you know, we offer a benefit package to our clients that includes a number of things, one of them being adoption assistance. Uh, we also, you know, support um all levels and and ranges of health needs, right? We have a benefit package that offers flexibility through choice. If you're able to do that and make sure that people are properly insured at all stages, I think it can be very um, game-changing in terms of showing your employees that you value them. Yeah. I think, too, um, not only assume that you're going to have people in different age ranges, but I think strategically you You should. should... You should strategically. Mm-hmm. Like if I would say, you know, four things that you should walk away from today is make sure that you have uh, a training program where people can grow into your program, not out of your program. That would be definitely one. Having a great onboarding program so that way when you do get a great candidate, um, you can keep them. They're not frustrated or that your culture matches what you told them in the interview is what they're actually going to experience. I would say that. Um, employ with diversity in mind um, and make sure that you understand where your employee is in their lifespan and what's important to them, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. The young person could be dealing with something that you think an older person. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, your HR specialist, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. What would be, and I'm throwing you on the spot here, what would be your three top tips? I am an entrepreneur. I only have five employees. I'm not quite at the level where I'm ready to hire everything out. Um, What would be, you know, a couple tips that you would. Uh, give to them to at least get them rolling in the right direction towards having a great HR experience for the employees? I think from the employee perspective, you should expect to evolve your program over time. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're hiring for the first time, you don't have to offer the Fortune 100 level benefits from day one, right? You're going to start out, you're going to set clear expectations from the beginning would be the best advice I can offer you, which is Try to have a culture by design and let your people know what you expect. And then as you are able to, bring in a little bit of something else. Maybe you bring in a voluntary benefit. Maybe you offer, you know, a a stipend for the insurance that they're getting through the health exchange. Maybe you... 
you know, maybe you give your people a little more flexibility once they're up and running and, and performing well. Um, so I think, you know, start where you are and, and recognize that it's going to change as you go. I like too that you said performing well. So I think the old mentality is, you know, you have to work 40 hours to get this job done, where if you can get the job done in 20, then get the job done in 20, right? Because I think we just in it, we're just so programmed. It's a, it's a 40 hour work week. And right. And I, have I to think see your face every day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I think that is one of the things that my, uh, my niece who is a millennial was very progressive. You know, she pitched me this work without walls program, um, for herself because she's like, auntie, like I give me a list. If I can get these 20 things done, I've done my job. Yes. Yes. So she has a little bit more flexibility in her schedule because she's very productive. Um, so I think, you know, working with people like that too, it's not, for me, it's not about I need to see your face for 40 hours, although I do love her and sometimes, I do just sometimes need to see her face. But um, but she gets the job done and whether it's 20 hours, 30 hours, 40, whatever it is, some weeks it might be 40 hours, but other weeks it might be 20. You have clear expectations. Yes, yeah. Yes, this is what I need. Yep, there's our list right there. Here's what we got to bang out this week. So, yep, so it's pretty It's pretty clear. <laughs> um, so we all know it. It's all there. But, yeah, so, um, well, I want to thank you very much for being a, a guest. You have done a great job. I think you brought a lot of valuable um, thoughts. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, you, you people can take that uh, and run with it because uh, there are employees out there who want to work for you. Um, and make sure that you do your very best to not only attract them, but what are your efforts in keeping them? Because happy employees make happy customers, which makes a happy bank account. So that's it. This is Erica from Practical Biz Podcast. Have a good night. See you next Monday. Bye.